0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Danny Cannell. That's Tom Fernelli That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson. And, man, uh, this is fun because, like we said yesterday, when we had the Big Ten West win totals, go and download that. Uh, you can get it wherever you get your podcast. talking Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. But also, like we've been telling you, we are on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's, like, the easiest YouTube channel to remember. Remember, it is youtube.com/slash cover three. Get that multi-platform excellence. So while we are doing our mid-season activities, a uh, uh- A Monday of breaking down the biggest storylines as we head into some pivotal weeks of conference play across the country. You know, four or five games in for everybody. We are also in preseason mode here with the Big Ten kicking off on Friday night with Wisconsin and Illinois. Uh, Big games on Saturday, including uh, Penn State, Indiana, and uh, Ohio State, Nebraska. So, uh, we are giving you those same win totals that you all know and love. Uh, And today, we will be tackling the Big 10 East. We got a lot to get to. Uh, I mean, do, it, any pleasantries or, or we just want to go ahead and start counting them up. Count them up. That's all right.
2: As much as I think it's the, the under Count is a up. safe play, like I can't even. Count them up.
0: Count them up. How many kids are going to win this fall?
2: I can't fathom who wins.
0: How many kids are going to win this fall?
2: I just can't. I don't see it. It's not, it's not on there. It's not, not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere.
0: So it's interesting that, uh, and, and reminder, the, uh, the uh, famous claim from Barton Simmons about not being able to find eight wins was before the final year of the Bobby Petrino era at Louisville, when he correctly... <laughs> called an under, I don't think he knew that it would be one in eleven where they not only lost uh like ten straight to finish the season but failed to cover the spread by an average of twenty one points not twenty one point losses but failing to cover the spread by an average of twenty one points per game but Barton, you did you, you had it pegged. It was not going to be an eight win season
2: was that what was that what the number was yeah was it eight wins
0: yeah yeah yeah,
2: yeah that was um yeah hit that on the button
0: cruising uh, on that one, had it locked up by midseason. but interesting that eight wins was the, uh, the number right there, because that that's the most that you can get uh, with these win totals that we're breaking down. It is technically a nine game season, but the ninth game will be a championship week. And so uh, once again, our, our thanks to the great folks at the edgewater sports and entertainment emporium with a new buffet. Uh, if for media inquiries, please contact Tom Fernelli. He can get you in in touch with the uh, the good people who help set these lines. Eight's the the biggest number that you could get, and so we start uh, at the top of the Big Ten East with Ohio State, and the number is set at seven and a half. Now we're talking about the most talented Ohio State roster. I mean, like I I've been throwing out since the national championship team, you know, since like. And maybe you could go even further back than that if we're just talking about raw talent numbers. But, I mean, Justin Fields always was in the picture. Uh, Sean Wade and Wyatt Davis, future NFL draft picks, opted out, opted back in. Boom, talent level goes up. Uh, we know Chris Alave is a stud. We know Garrett Wilson could have an explosive season. You got some real veterans on the defensive side, guys like Jonathan Cooper, Tyreek Smith, Zach Harrison could be stepping up as the next uh, great blue chip pass rusher at defensive ends. Yeah, they're good at linebacker with Pete Warner and Baron Browning. I mean, the, the schedule is laid out such that we're all going to be talking about one game as we're trying to pick this seven and a half. So, Tom, like... Where do you see this Ohio state team potentially being vulnerable and are you holding it in that high esteem where we're almost treating it like a Clemson in the ACC or maybe even like an Alabama in the SEC?
1: I think it's biggest vulnerability or at least question mark heading into the season is probably in the secondary considering a lot of what they lost and they're going to have a lot of, you know, new guys back there in, in bigger roles. But again, you mentioned the talent, if you're betting on the talent, I don't think it's that large of a concern, nor do I think that in a weird way, I think maybe having this elongated kind of training camp to get ready for the season after things were shut down and then pushed back until, you know, October 24th, I think that maybe that could end up helping that secondary get more acclimated. But of course you never really know until you're on the field, but I don't treat them like Clemson simply because I don't, look at the rest of the ACC as having anybody that's capable of competing with Clemson. Whereas if you look at the talent rankings from 24-7 sports, it's like Ohio State is clearly you know, the number one team in the Big Ten, but the gap between it and Penn State, it's significant, but it's not as significant as you see between Clemson and the rest or anybody else in the ACC. So they're not invulnerable. I think they're close too invulnerable and I think that if you look especially this year with the latest news and we'll get to it too about you know Penn State losing Journey Brown Penn State's lost Micah Parsons I do think that the gap that was between them has widened a bit during the offseason because Ohio State's pretty much getting everybody back whereas Penn State has lost a couple of key guys I think Michigan there are a lot of question marks about so I'm going over and I know that there's like, there's always, especially the season like this, there's very much a high risk of losing a game that you're not supposed to lose. And Ohio state tends to be pretty good at losing games. They're not supposed to lose at this anyway, but I just, I think that getting Penn state early is a benefit. And then I think after that, they've got Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan state, like those games are probably very winnable easy games for most Big Ten teams. For Ohio State to get that in a row, those five games... That's going to allow them to cruise until they get to the end of the season when they get Michigan State and Michigan back to back. And even that Michigan State game on the road, I think it's a trap game simply because it's ahead of the Michigan game. But I don't think that's one where Ohio State really needs to worry that much. So I look at this really as a two game season for Ohio State because I think they're winning those other six. It's going to be at Penn State, which again, early in the season, I think is a bonus for Ohio State, even if it's in Happy Valley. And then at the end of the year against Michigan. And I feel like if you're playing Michigan, we talked about this, you know, yesterday on the big 10 West show with the talk in regards to Minnesota. I think this year you want to play Michigan early, especially because we, they're learning a lot about themselves and they don't have a ton of experience. So while Michigan, I think will be a better team at the end of the season than it's going to be, you know, this weekend, I still don't think it's a team that's really capable of beating Ohio state. It hasn't shown us. It's a capable of beating Ohio state at any point in the last few years. And until it happens, it's hard to say it's going to happen. So yeah, there's a very real possibility this team trips up once, maybe even twice in a crazy season like this one. But if I'm betting, I'm betting on 8-0. Yep, 8-0. Oh! <laughs> you,
2: you are you are saying 8-0 with like a question mark after it. I'm saying 8-0 with an exclamation point. I I think this is in the same way that we're, like we're seeing Alabama be – class above the rest of the SEC. Obviously, Clemson is a class above the rest of the ACC. As competitive and high quality as the play in the Big Ten is, Ohio State is a class above. Um, and it has a quarterback in Justin Fields that is, I, I think, still very m- like much on this journey at the quarterback position to where – like last year wasn't the best we've seen of what we're going to see of Justin Fields. I think he's got a chance. He was a Heisman finalist and he has a chance to be a lot better. Uh, And so I think that the, this, this team is, is like, it's kind of scary the way it's put together. So you have Justin Fields who will be one of the best, you know, a top two or three player in college football. I expect. You've got a wide receiver room with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson that are As you know, I don't think it's Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell, but it's in the conversation. Like they are elite wide receivers, and Ohio State just got a flurry of five star true freshmen uh, that are going to be able to contribute. The offensive line is the best offensive line in the Big Ten, one of the best groups in the country. The secondary, Tom mentioned, yeah, they lost a lot, but they lose a lot every year to the NFL draft. They've got these guys coming back. Sean Wade's a first rounder. Seven banks is a guy that's going to be, that's getting all this hype that is sort of the next first rounder that we don't know yet. The linebacker group may be the best in the big 10, the defensive line. They lost a lot, but you tell me Larry Johnson isn't going to make Zach Harrison, like as good a defensive end as there is in college football. He is, I can just, you know, spoil that for you. So I I just think this team isn't missing anything. And the, We talked in the Big Ten West about, you know, I kind of like pitched Nebraska's desire to play as maybe a reason to be optimistic about it. And I agree that a lot of that desire to play was coming from the coaches and the administration. This whole Ohio State organization was like dying to get on the field. The reason they're dying to get on the field is because this whole organization thinks they're about to win a national championship. So I'm going to read into that confidence a little bit as well. Um, I don't care what the schedule is. I, they're going to be a lot better in every team they play. I think Ohio State's undefeated
3: and they'll be in the playoffs. You know, doing these win totals is a little bit unique because we're removed, we've are we already seen some of the season, right? Typically, you do win totals. You haven't seen anybody play. You do them all together and then you release them. Uh, this year, it's a little humbling because you're looking back and I, I go back to the SEC and it's like, oh, man, we chalked up Arkansas's losses. We chalked up and like all of a sudden. We're seeing. So like, I feel like we come in here with a little bit more Um, knowledge, a little bit more we know about how the season is going to unfold. I feel like what we've learned, teams aren't as necessarily great as we thought they were, and some teams aren't necessarily as bad as we thought they were, but there is one thing that remains true. Alabama is still Alabama. Clemson is still Clemson. And guess what? Ohio State is still Ohio State. So I'm rolling with the eight, no, as well. I, I, the only thing that concerns me is COVID. Like, seriously, I think that's the only thing that could potentially be a problem, as it is for everybody in college football, is if there's some outbreak and it affects Justin Fields or it, you know, deeply affects the wide receiving room, you know, issues that we might even not even know about that crop up, then I get a little bit nervous. But I'm with Barton in that these three programs. Have elevated themselves, and we—it's not rocket. We all know this, but I think it's going to be more glaring this year with Ohio State on this mission because you're telling me all season, all off season long, with or without COVID, they haven't thought about the way they lost to Clemson. a Couple bad calls, their you know, uh, you know, targeting call, drop ball, catch or no catch, and they've they've been steaming. Hey, we should have been in the national championship. We should have had that opportunity. Then you combine that with this team being at the forefront of we want to come back, we want to play. I think this team is angry. I think they're hungry. I think they're dangerous. And I think they're undefeated when it's all said and done. All right. Thought experiment. If
0: we had swapped out their cross division games, because getting Nebraska at home.
2: Undefeated. Undefeated. Exactly. (laughs)
0: Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I swap it out for Iowa and uh, Minnesota. Same, same thing. I swap it out for, I mean, well, Wisconsin's just been a bad matchup for Ohio state, but like, I don't know. I I wrote down a principal under just just the idea that there's Whoa. there's a loss. Like well, I didn't, got did, a hater
1: in the building. Folks. Didn't you write a hater in the building?
0: Didn't you? Didn't you go principal under for Clemson
2: too? Yeah. Are you? Uh, would you? Would you, would, you, would you stick with that right, right now? Now at the mid like where we're at with knowing what you know. Are you still on the under for Clemson?
0: No. But Clemson has shown. Clemson's won forty-one out of the last forty-three ACC games. Ohio State's, you know, it, it's got those the Iowa game, it's got the Purdue game. I don't know, man. It's you're did, probably you take, right. Did you take principal under on Bama? I went over on Bama. Okay, I've been all in on
3: yeah I've been on the angry Alabama since March. That's. That, but like, I think it's similar. I think you have angry Ohio State. I know. Same motivation. Where some of those seasons where they did have an ugly loss to Purdue. Everyone was telling them how great they were. They're going to waltz into the national championship game this year. I think it's different. I think they're motivated. I think there's, and I also think these teams at the top are more focused because of the lack of distractions. This is a coach's dream. Like you can threaten them saying, Hey, if you guys go out and party too much or you don't stay focused or you go out in the week, whatever it is, you might lose your season they're even more dialed in than ever. So you don't have to worry about kind of that slip-up week where guys might have been, you know, joking around, having a good time, going to parties or whatever, and they come a little bit let- uh, lethargic to practice. That's not happening this year.
1: Yeah, also- a, f- a fun little factoid for the 24 team talent rankings. There are 25-star players in the Big Ten. Ohio State has 14 of them. No other team has more than two, and that's Michigan. Also, under Ryan
2: Day, oh, a small sample size, like uh, seventeen games, something like that, um, eighteen. They've they've not had one of those Purdue games. Yeah, that's true. Under like like you could, I would make an argument that Ryan Day is is a different. It's, it's a different team Same. under Ryan Day than Urban Meyer. And I think Urban Meyer's approach made them a little vulnerable for those letdowns. And Ryan Day, I think uh because of his approach doesn't grind them quite as 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 much into the dust that like i think they're more uh i don't know equipped
1: for the weekend week out grind say ryan day
0: is better than urban meyer say it put your name to it
1: (laughs) No, what barton is saying is that after is that after texas (laughs) hires urban they're still going to have the occasional letdown game that's what barton's saying
0: Texas would love an occasional letdown game <laughs> instead <laughs> of every week.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> count them up. Penn State Nittany Lions. We mentioned uh, no opt back in for Micah Parsons. He will prepare for the NFL Draft in 2021. Journey Brown. Uh, there is a, an undisclosed medical condition that was discovered during the off season, likely to keep him out. So we start to look like all right, Noah Kane. We've been talking about you for a couple years now. The, is this the time when you take a, a big step forward? the The whole room in general is is pretty strong, and defensively, you're not without uh, game changers. Shakatoni ends up becoming uh, that player for Penn State, particularly in the defensive front. I would say that uh, it is. I think we mentioned this uh, as a good part of the conversation when we were doing the hurry up hot seats in the spring. That. The wide receiver position relied heavily on KJ Hamler in 2019, and you've got someone there in Jahan Dotson, where everyone's like, okay, let's see. Now, there's about five or six players behind Dotson who I think, and Barton, you could probably lead the conversation here in terms of who steps up. And it's interesting because Kirk Sharaka everything that he did at Minnesota and all of the, the bonus points that he gets for the way that uh, that offense ran – I think Minnesota had a better quarterback and clearly better wide receivers with Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman. So you're asking this uh, offensive coordinator that comes in with a, a lot of, you know, stardust around him to be able to take what I think is a little bit of a downgrade personnel in terms, just in terms of the passing game, quarterback and wide receivers, and be able to try to have some of that same success. Um, in, I don't know, but I think Penn State's offense is particularly interesting. I'm, I'm kind of giving Brent Pry a pass. I just kind of, I've got a high level of expectation. I know that there were some holes in their defensive profile last year, especially I think on the giving up some third and longs, but I mean, that's just picking nits out here. You know, you look at the schedule, the um, Iowa is one cross division game. That's going to be at home and let's see, what's the other one? Oh, Nebraska. That's going to be on the road. Barton your Penn State Nittany Lions, your close friend, James Franklin, going into this season, we have this over under win total set at six and a half. How are you looking at the team, and how are you looking at the schedule?
2: Um, so I think, first of all, don't do that to me on, on Coach Franklin. <laughs> close friend, James Franklin. I'm going to have every Big Ten fan in the country in my mention saying I'm a Penn State homer. homer. Um, He's so, got a Nittany
1: Lion tattooed on his chest, folks.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think this team is – like, first of all, like teaser, um, spoiler alert, whatever you want to call it, I feel like while the West is just sort of this big jumbled mess who, of of uncertainty, uh, I, I think the Big Ten East feels very chalky in the way it plays out. I think there's a clear pecking order. And I think Penn State is the clear number two. I know Penn, I know Michigan is typically – very much a contender within that number two spot, but I think this is clearly the second best team. I think that they are, um, and I think it it probably is. I don't even if there was a some sort of Heisman Trophy type of quarterback uh, that was um, a, a step up from Sean Clifford. I still think Ohio State's roster is significantly better, but there's something about the Ohio State-Penn State game and rivalry that allows Penn State to play them really close, really competitive every year. So if there was that quarterback, I might entertain the idea of Penn State beating Ohio State. There isn't, and so I'm not. And so I'm giving Ohio State that game. I think it's the only game that I am really would would even kind of be worried about Ohio State losing. But as you look at this roster, so of note, I think with Kirk Scirocco, as you mentioned, Ship, like he's been very good um, offensively. He's been very good at accentuating and maximizing ability at the wide receiver position specifically. Um, this has been a position that's been missing at, at Penn State in a lot of in, in a lot of ways. Uh, but they do have a lot of depth at tight end. They have a lot of depth at wide receiver. Parker Washington, a true freshman, was listed at top of the depth chart. Maybe that's a guy that can fill that, that, um, that Hamler role for them. Defensively, I think you're losing Micah Parsons, yes, but in looking at the depth chart, they've got five guys, uh, four guys listed for the two spots uh, at the outside linebacker positions, and three of those guys were ranked by us as five stars coming out of high school. Now, we could have been just flat out wrong but I think it gives you an idea about just sort of the talent that's still in that room that has a chance to emerge. Um, there's a true freshman a redshirt freshman and sophomore Brandon Smith. And 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 I just think across the board, like you said, I trust Brent Pry, I trust the way they develop their defense. I trust Dwight Galton, the strength and conditioning program. And so I think this is just a very safe, very trustworthy program, uh, trustworthy team, a tier below Ohio State, but absolutely I think the team that is best equipped to, to fill that number two spot. So I'm at over. I think they go seven and one.
3: I think they're six and two. I look at them. It's hard for me. And it kind of goes back to the philosophy of it's Ohio state, Clemson, Bama and everybody else. Uh, I think this team will be impacted by the lack of a non-conference schedule. Um, When I was going through the wins, like where are they? I think Chip might be on the same page with me. Like, I think this game, this first weekend opener against Indiana is a tough. Like, I don't think that's a lock. It's a six and a half point line. Like, I'm like, man, that could go either way. Ohio State, I think they lose. Maryland, I think they win. Nebraska, I think they win. Iowa and Michigan both, I would put them as favored, but I can't confidently say, yeah, lock those up. And then Rutgers and Michigan State, yeah, they'll probably win those. So I've got five locks and I need to get two more wins. It's just a little bit too much of a stretch for me to make. So I'm going to say six and two.
1: I, I agree with both of you, oddly <laughs> enough. I agree with Barton in that I do think that in the Big Ten East, it's going to be chalky. But I also agree with Danny in that Penn State I think is going to lose twice at some point this season. I think the Ohio State game is lost, and for me, it comes down to the reason, Barton, that you don't think Penn State can beat Ohio State, and that's the quarterback position. And I'm, you know, I've I talked about it last year. I'm not a big Sean Clifford believer. I don't like him that much. Uh, that sounds wrong, but I'm, what I'm saying is I just don't think he's a high ceiling kind of quarterback that's going to be able to just help you cruise through the rest of your conference schedule and I don't think he can help you beat Ohio State and I just look and see like I feel like because of that, because of that limited ceiling that they have offensively with him at the quarterback position they're more likely to trip up against somebody else despite the talent advantage that they have against most of their opponents at most of their positions. That said we talked about Sharaka coming in and how he's to be able to help that offense I think another thing that should help the Penn State offense this year and something that's kind of been a problem for them a lot of the time in recent years is that offensive line because when you look at that depth chart that they just released on their offensive line it goes three deep in every position and of the all the uh, 15 names on there Only two of them aren't juniors or seniors. They finally have a veteran offensive line. So I think that this year of all years, we should see a good Penn State offensive line. And if we don't, oh, that's going to be a problem. But I I think that helps raise the floor a little bit. I think six and two is an absolute worst case scenario in all honesty, but I don't think seven and one happens more often than six and two.
0: So uh, I've got that Indiana game, Danny, like like we were talking about yesterday on CBS Sports HQ. I've got that one as a toss-up. Ohio State, I listed as a toss-up the way I was doing my analysis, though I do think that's You know, maybe a loss, maybe a win. I don't know. But then it's situational because since 2000, Penn State has won in Ann Arbor just once. And it was in 2009 when Rich Rod was the head coach at Michigan and Joe Paterno was at Penn State. The last two results in the big house have been 42-7 Michigan and 49-10 Michigan. For whatever reason, Jim Harbaugh against Penn State, until proven otherwise, just seems to be one of those things. I'm not chalking it up as a surefire loss, but when we're trying to pick six, I think six and two is where I landed with at Indiana and at Michigan, You know, season opener against a feisty team and then against a a squad that for whatever reason has your number at home plus Ohio State, three toss-ups. I'm going to land at six and two. I'm also going under here games y'all gonna win this fall the michigan wolverines not a lot of experience on this team uh like defensively you look at Quitty pay and, and aiden hutchinson and you know we talked about how this is just going to be interesting year two with josh gaddis and and the the joe milton era but this is like i'm i'm very very ready for all the michigan men and women to be comforting themselves with the idea that this is just a warm up for 2021 that this isn't the year that you know we're just we're really we're really just trying to to take steps uh, towards having a great squad for for next season and next season's going to be the year You know Ronnie Bell back at the wide receiver position. Chris Evans back from suspension. Zach Charbonnet also right there at the running back position. When you look at the uh the way the schedule breaks out, tough tough cross division draw at Minnesota here at the the first weekend of the season, and then they also get Wisconsin. Though that Wisconsin game is at home, Uh, Danny. where Where are you going here with Michigan? Our over under set by uh the the Edgewater Emporium is five and a half. Are you seeing a six and two uh, in the future for the Wolverines?
3: No, I'm not. I would love to be surprised by Michigan on the upside. Like I feel like this is a team that usually comes in. Uh, with some expectations they usually deliver around where we thought I think this will be that rebuild here um, yeah I can't wait to see like I want, I want what I want to see and I think this is one worthy criticism of Jim Harbaugh is where's the development of a quarterback that you actually see play to his strengths and you see a quarterback ele- elevate throughout his career now of course we're getting Joe Milton fresh Josh Gaddis, offensive coordinator year two there's some continuity there but what I want to see is some groundwork laid for a quarterback that actually improves throughout the season? But I think this is for me is more about the schedule. I think this is a really tough slate for the Wolverines. I'm looking at, I think four and four. Like most of them, I'm like right around the number. This one five and three, I think might happen. But I also think four and four is in um, excuse me, four and four is in play as well. So I'm going to take the under this one, and I think this might be one of the easier plays of the season. I I, I, w- I wish I was wrong. Like I want. Harbaugh to over deliver for once, and Michigan to over deliver for once. But I don't see it happening with the schedule.
1: Yeah, I I think the very first game of the season is kind of crucial for this win total. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I if on Saturday if they could beat Minnesota in Minneapolis, all of a sudden I think six and two becomes a lot more likely than five and three does. But I'm still taking the over, even though I don't think there's a ton of. You know, th- there's not a ton of returning experience, but you mentioned Joe Milton, Danny. I like Joe Milton. From what I've seen of Joe Milton, he I, when it was him and McCaffrey, you know, while they were still both backing up Shea Patterson and the question, you know, McCaffrey was getting a lot of the number two time getting, you know, snaps in games. And McCaffrey never impressed me on the field. When I saw Milton on the field, there were things where I was like, huh, okay, no, there's something here. There's there's a, there, there's a ceiling. There's a lot of room to grow here, and it's already got a pretty decent floor. So I think Milton taking over and being the clear-cut number one now that McCaffrey's transferring out is – a big a good thing for this Michigan offense I think Josh Gaddis in his second year implementing a new offense is a good thing for the offense my concern is there is some youth on the offensive line and we talked about it a bit yesterday with the receiving core now that Nico Collins has opted out kind of late we've got Ronnie Bell and a lot of unknown question marks. Now, a couple of those unknown question marks were highly rated recruits. Like A.J. Henning was a kid that I know is, is from Illinois. Illinois was after Michigan got him because that's typically how it goes when highly rated recruits from the state of Illinois get offers from big to big to big 10 schools like that. But uh. I I think that this offense is probably going to be off to a slowish start, but I do think that as the year goes on, it's going to improve. And when I look at the schedule, the Michigan game or the Minnesota game is a coin flip. I think they can win it. I think they can lose it. They're favored. I'm not sure they should be, but they're favored. Michigan State, probably a win, but again, that's a rivalry. You can never really be 100% sure, but I think they win that game more often than not. The Indiana road game is tough. Wisconsin at home I know Wisconsin ran all over them last year and it was embarrassing loss for Michigan but I think Michigan's a better team than Wisconsin this year and it's at it's in Ann Arbor so I like Michigan there at Rutgers yeah uh Penn State Chip you were mentioning it whatever it is P- Michigan plays Penn State well that's not a no doubt loss for them and that's one of the reasons why i'm kind of on the under for penn state because i think the nittany lions are very capable of losing that game in ann arbor they're going to beat maryland and then they're going to lose to ohio state so the only two definite ohio state's the only definite loss i see minnesota and penn state are both cone flips to me so if they can get one of those we get six and two and it's still i think if you're michigan and you go six and two this year i think you should be thrilled I don't think it's what they want or it's quote unquote good enough, but I think it's definitely possible and that's what I'm banking on.
2: Did you mention Wisconsin? Don't they have Wisconsin on there too? Yeah. And you got them winning that one?
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I like I said, Wisconsin ran all over them. It was an embarrassing loss last year, but this year's Wisconsin I don't think is as good offensively as last year's Wisconsin. And that game was in Camp Randall. It's not that's not the case this year. So I think Michigan's gonna win that game. And it's they had just, Jonathan Taylor.
2: <laughs> that's just interesting that you would just just tally that one up. Um this is so all right. So year two of Josh Gaddis. I think one thing that's like an interesting just sort of personnel element of this to me is when Josh Gaddis arrived, like the whole his whole like catchphrase is speed and space. So offense is about speed and space. And the 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 receiving group that he inherited, think back, like it was it was Nico Collins, it was Tariq Black, Donovan Peoples Jones. It was just like a bunch of big Cadillacs on the outside. And like those, you know. I think in a perfect world, Josh Gaddis is looking for more like a bunch of like dirt bikes, like motorcycles or something, you know? And so those guys are all gone. Nico Collins opted out, Trick Black transferred, Donald Peel Jones off the NFL. And and yet, like now when you look at the the receiver room, it's all of those guys. That, that you're you're thinking about, like as Giles Jackson, is Mike Sanders still, it's um, AJ Henning and Roman Wilson are the new guys coming in as true freshmen. Ronnie Bell is a little bit more in that mold as well. And yet, like, I think he probably would, wouldn't mind have like one of those big bodies on the outside to, to sort of uh, shake things up. So I'm just very curious about what the offense looks like in year two. They're going to be better at running back because Zach Charbonnet is going to be, I think, healthy. Um, has a talented dude. He's a big-bodied guy. Um, They're going to be talented at quarterback, but Joe Milton is a big, like, cannon-armed type of dude. But in high school, at least, he wasn't overly accurate. And so has he developed that accuracy over the last year as a redshirt? How quickly can they get him rolling? I think Don Brown's defense is still going to be a Don Brown defense. Um, But I also just – from a from a um, macro perspective here, and looking at this roster, and you sort of look at the team talent composite. This is one of those teams that you know it's used to being up in the top ten in the team talent composite. It's down at seventeen now, and I just I think it I think things are just sort of chip like the 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 facades of the 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 Michigan sort of program. It's just kind of getting a little bit of wear and tear on it right now. I'm just not as confident that it is right up there, just like just below Ohio State, right next to Ohio State. I think there's a slight step below Ohio State to this Michigan program uh, under Penn State, where this Michigan program sits right now. So I still think they come in third in the in the division, um, but I think five and three is where I land here. So I'm on the under.
0: Yeah, I'm on the under as well. And I'm in love with uh, the dirt bike offense. But by <laughs> Thursday, we're going to have dirt bikes on the soundboard for, uh, for Michigan's offense. I mean, it, you're, I, I like it, right? Just we're, we're talking about just shifty, right? Not, not yeah. as much the like pro style, big galloping, going to jump up and catch it over you. It's that we're going we're gonna to be making breaks. We're going to be throwing quick. And we're going to be looking for yards after the catch. Make a guy miss and you're gone kind of stuff, right?
2: Yeah. But like, like AJ Henning, the kid coming in that Tom mentioned is like, a was one of the faster guys in the class. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, like I saw him at the all American bowl last year and he doesn't have great ball skills, but he is even in like an all American setting. When you get him on a jet sweep, it's eye popping. Uh, Roman Wilson, the kid, a kid from Hawaii is legitimately one of the fastest receivers in the class of 2020. Um, Sanders still again is 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 exactly that kind of guy. Uh, Giles Jackson, same thing. Like a former kind of running back. All like these, all these guys have this sort of. So it could be a really fun offense. But you know, Joe Milton's got to get on the ball too. And 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 I think Danny's point was important too. Like Jim Harbaugh has to prove to us that he can still like he's still got any quarterback chops to him because it's been a while. It's been a, a serious minute since Jim Harbaugh has really done something at the quarterback position. In fact, he's underachieved at that spot over the last I don't know how long it's been
0: six seven years. I mean, a while. Wh- who's the who's the last one? I mean, do you take the In, um, uh, what was the the kid from Iowa Ruddock?
3: Jake um, yeah, Rudock. Jake Ruddock.
2: Rudock. <laughs> yeah, he he's the last NFL. quarterback and now that he's, that
3: he's had, and now he's done both ways. Like early, it was grad transfers. Then it started to become. You know, and we had another grad transfer in Shay Patterson, who was supposed to be the hero. Now you've got a guy in house, like it's you've tried different things. Now it's time to look at Harbaugh and say, all right, you have to develop somebody. Coming up on the other side, we take a look
0: at one of the more exciting programs, a wild card in the Big Ten East. It is the Indiana Hoosiers and the rest of the vision rutgers. Are you gonna get one? We'll see next. <laughs> Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. It is uh, incredibly freeing you know, in terms of just sort of like your, your mental space when you know you're not going to have to change clothes throughout the day, when you know you can put together uh, one outfit, just a couple different pieces that are going to be able to carry you from, uh, you know, something that's casual with friends uh, all the way to a work event and, and and maybe even just something that you feel comfortable in at the end of the day when you're just, you know, chilling out, relaxing and, and uh, finally getting a chance to unwind. Well, uh, you can Can put together some outfits like that thanks to the all new looks at Express. That kind of confidence, that kind of mental freedom of not having to worry about changing up your outfit, it's going to allow you to accomplish your goals. It's going to make you better. It's going to make you sharper at every single thing you do. The all new looks from Express have a focus on comfort and versatility, and that all day comfort, it feels like your favorite sweatpants, but. It doesn't look slobby. It actually has a really flattering fit. It makes your life easier. And this wrinkle-resistant fabric is going to make sure that it does look good as you take it from one event to another. All kinds of different levels of fanciness, uh, everything that you need. And you can get $25 off a $50 purchase by texting FOOTBALL to 397-737. Once again, if you want to get $25 off a $50 purchase, text FOOTBALL to 397-737. Just just start filling up your wardrobe with all these new-look Express pieces that are going to be able to be used in lots of different ways. They are uh, dual-threat clothing options. express you get twenty five dollars off a fifty dollar purchase by texting football f o o t b a l l to three nine seven seven three seven.
1: Thank you for clarifying that because I know that Barton, being a big football fan, might have thought you were talking about football and not football.
2: <laughs> I had to I had to straighten. You know, we, we gave a bad code earlier in the week. I had to get a I had to um, send the correct code to one to a DM. Just cleaning up the mess, <laughs> Coca.
0: <laughs> uh, the uh, the football that's because Barton's already set some time aside to be able to watch the Galazzo show, to be able to uh, get dialed into the, the red zone uh, experience that, uh, that CBS sports has on the CBS sports network, 3 p.m. Eastern time today for all the champions league action. I know watch that it. Barton's dialed into uh, man city Porto seeing if Porto can cover that one and a half goal spread against man city, man city's a little banged up. You know, I know you were telling me about that before the show.
2: If I'm not mistaken, the podcast K-Galazzo. Yeah, k right? hey, yeah. yeah. If I'm not mistaken, that translates to what? Galazzo? <laughs>
1: right? Yes, yes. Yeah. What a Galazzo, yes. What's Galazzo? What Galazzo, is Galazzo is a very <laughs> impressive goal. Uh,
2: that answers the question the podcast poses.
3: <laughs> it
0: does. It <laughs> uh, be sure to check it out. It, it day de- we saw the, the the full experience debuted on Tuesday. Uh, I, I watched it. It was cool. It was a very, very cool experience. Uh, again, you can watch it on CBS sports network stream all of the champions league action through uh, CBS all access. So, hey, free promo. Uh, Indiana over under set at four and a half. We've got a. Uh, the draw includes Wisconsin from the West and Purdue from the West, Wisconsin on the road, Purdue at home. Uh, a lot of excitement after the the steps forward last year, nearly got to nine win Indiana, nearly a couple of, a couple of heartbreaking losses ended up leaving them just a couple wins short. You were looking at this offense and like Kalen DeBoer did a great job. Unfortunately, He did such a good job that Fresno State came and hired him away. So we're promoting uh, internally, Tom Allen is, and you're hoping that a young defense a year ago is going to take some steps forward and be a little bit more consistent. You know, uh, Wap Filor, one of the great, wide receivers in the big 10 Peyton Hendershot at tight end this offense to me the way I remember it and the way I was breaking it down in my prep is that they were just real efficient like it wasn't one thing that uh they did outstanding but Michael Penix does a great job of taking care of the ball uh throwing the ball in space and and just sort of making sure that you stay uh, ahead of the chains the over under again set at four and a half Tom how, how are you feeling about the Hoosiers
1: you know, I, we, we recently just had to turn in our, our Big Ten expert picks for the season, and I wrote that Indiana was the most underrated team in the Big Ten, and I think that's true because I think Indiana's biggest problem is geography. It's not a football team. It's like you mentioned last year. This team nearly won nine games, but the problem it faces is that it has to share a division with Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan, and it's really hard for Indiana to compete with those three schools and to beat those three schools. Whereas if we took the Hoosiers right now and put them in the West, I think this is a team that's competing with Wisconsin and Minnesota for a division title. I love what they have in offense. You mentioned a couple of the names. First of all, Indiana is the all name team of college football because you mentioned Wap Fillior, there's Peyton Hendershot. Don't forget Ty Fryfrogle and quarterback (laughs) Michael Penix. These are just great names up and down the depth chart. But when I look at this team, it's like, man, this team's really good. Man, they've got a crappy position because you mentioned they've got to play Penn State, you know, to start the season. That's a winnable game, it's not as big of a Penn State kind of victory as you might think. Then they get Rutgers on the road, which they should win, but then they get Michigan at home, which they can win, but it's hard to say they're going to win. Michigan State on the road, I think they can win that. Ohio State, they're not going to win, Maryland, they could win at Wisconsin. More winnable than a lot of people probably think. And then Purdue, I think they're a better team than Purdue this year, although I'm big on Purdue. So I think that's gonna be more of a coin flip game. Oh,
0: and rivalry too. I mean, that yeah, game's just it, the old oak and buckets on
1: the line, folks. You don't just you don't just walk in and take the old oak and bucket. You gotta you gotta fight for that thing. But I'm going under because I Ooh. think this is a four and four team. And again, it's not a reflection of how I feel about this Indiana squad. It's more a reflection of the situation that it finds itself in. Danny, what you got, so I've gotten to
3: follow this team. I called two games in the last two years. I was supposed to call this year's game again with ball state, which was canceled. So I feel like I have a pretty really good pulse of this program. It was really uh high on this team with the job. Tom Allen has done last year. Talking to Kalen DeBoer was really excited about what the offense got and they delivered. Um, I think Michael Penix will thrive now. He doesn't have to look over his shoulder. There's been a quarterback battle for a couple of years now that's gone on where there hasn't been a certainty. There's been two guys that are pretty good, and it's all right, What do we do? Penix had taken over that role last year. Then he got hurt, so it was um, it, you know he he lost out on the job uh, because of injury. Now that he's kind of got the freedom, he's got the the team. You know, he's the team leader. I feel better about this team, but I'm a little bit more concerned with the loss of Kalen DeBoer. He you saw his. Um, fingerprints all over that offense. Like you saw him bring a little bit more of an innovative element to that one. Nick Sheridan they kept in house, but I'm I'm always kind of curious of guys who are elevated may not have a ton of experience calm plays. Like he might be awesome. He might be better than Kalen DeBoer, but I don't know yet. And it's really a it's really hard to have a pulse. Like in game adjustments are what separate guys. Like when you know. Not only the plays you're given, but why you're calling them, and what you want to try to expose, and when you're going to make certain adjustments—that's what elevates. And I just don't know how that's going to play out. Initially, I had written over. I don't know if you guys see it. I had written over on there, and I was like, "Hold on," because I had written down locks. I'm like, really? I'm going to lock up four wins for Indiana? Like, I just—I I was like having a hard time. And they might, like, I and against—I would not be shocked at all if they pulled off the upset of upsets in their opener. But then I wouldn't be uh, surprised at all if they, you know, lost a couple weeks later to Michigan and Michigan state back to back. Like this team is an, like, it's really hard for me to figure out. So for that reason, I can't confidently say, take the over. I think four and four is probably where they are. I think they'll have a big win in there. Maybe they'll also have a loss that a game you kind of live your head scratching but I just don't trust this team enough. They're exciting. They're fun. I love watching them, but I just don't know if I can take the over. Yeah. I
2: seated. Oh, go
3: ahead, Chip. I, I'm going over, you know, I think it's yeah. Yeah.
0: So I think that they got a favorable, like in my wins and look the at Rutgers, at Michigan state, Maryland at home, three surefire wins in my book. If that Michigan State game in East Lansing is the disappointing game that you're talking about, Danny, like that's that's one that I could see. But, man, the fact that out of my – and then loss uh, at Ohio State, but for my toss-ups, Penn State, Michigan, at Wisconsin, Purdue, three of your four toss-ups are at home. I'm just operating under the idea that out of those four toss-ups with three of them being at home, I know the idea of Indiana beating uh, a Penn State and a Michigan in the same season seems wild, But I I think that they certainly, in the Purdue game at home, I I just keep coming back to five and three, where out of those four toss-ups, the fact they've got three of them at home, odds are good that they can get this thing over 500. But I will say that that at Michigan State game is the one that you would circle potentially as the big letdown spot. And, I mean, look, they could lose all four of those toss-ups, but I think those odds are not good. So I'm on over four and a half.
2: Yeah, I, I'm on over as well. I, I think the like this was a, if, I've been sort of cramming as you guys have talked to, to just make sure I know that I want to go over here because it, it's, it's a tough one. This is, I think this is probably one of the tougher ones. I, I like going into the season, I think, I think in a traditional schedule, I would be more confident on the over. Than in the 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 schedule that we ended up landing on, um, because I feel like it have it, like the way it played out, there would be a little bit more time for, you know, I, like I remember looking at the schedule and the the initial schedule and saying, well, the Penn State game is a bit of a toss up, but you know if they're if somehow they're able to pull that upset, they they could be looking at like, no no who was who was their first game? It was Wisconsin, I think, uh, previously. If they're, uh, if they're able to figure out a way to win that one, they could be like 7-0 and heading into the Penn State game in October. Um, and I still think like that team has this sort of potential. I do think, you know, it hurt. Marcelina Ball is out for the season with an ACL. Um, y'all remember back when Tom Allen was a D coordinator at Ole Miss and had like uh, Sir Darius Bryant and Denzel Kimdichie and these like sawed off little undersized linebackers that just went out on May plays. That was, that, that's ball for this defense, and so I'm a little bit discouraged that he's out. But I like all the pieces on offense. Pinnocks, I think, is a stud. They're good at running back. They're good at receiver. They, I think that they're going to be good on the offensive line. I think Matthew Bedford was a guy that was really good as a true freshman last year at left tackle um, – or right tackle, rather. And then I, I do think that, is that Nick Sheridan is like – I've heard a lot of good things about him as a coach. Now, we'll see. He's 30-something, 32 or something like that. And he's getting his first gig as a you know, big time play caller. But I, I there, there are very like positive things being said about him and sort of the coaching community. And so I think that this is a, could be a, an, a, an interesting opportunity to see if he might just be a stud. Um, so I, I'm, I'm sort of just optimistic because I want to believe in it as much as anything else. And so I'm going to go over for Indiana as well.
3: That I was your line of thinking, and then I'm just like, can I trust that? Can I because I want to be optimistic about them too? I just don't know. so i I, yeah. I kind of was on the line. This one to me, I think, was the hardest team out of all of them, I think, Indiana, with this number.
0: Count them up. Of course, uh these these sharp numbers, just just a real credit <laughs> to the uh, the Edgewater yes. Emporium. I mean, just just dialed in.
3: A sharp fraudulent
0: for an alley. They, 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 It's a sharp book. <laughs> Uh, we turn our attention to, uh, Mel Tucker who loves football, Michigan state Spartans over under win total set at two and a half. Two and and a half. It is so hard to like mentally reconcile a top, like top 10 program, like top 15 program. If, if you want to be a little bit more lenient has really just become a top 40 team uh, over the last little bit, like last year, certainly. And you know, you're, you're got a little bit of a transition. So uh, I thought that Mel Tucker had a good defensive coordinator hire getting Scotty Hazleton from Kansas state. He brings Jay Johnson with him from Colorado from the West. They've got a road trip to Iowa and they get Northwestern at home. That is a you know that that's a li- not the worst draw that you could get from the Big Ten West, but still, it's hard to look at this roster right now and feel like we are anywhere close to the Rose Bowl uh, of the the peak Mark D'Antonio era. So over under set at two and a half. Barton, do you need more time to cram, or you you want to you want to <laughs> go first on this one?
2: <laughs> I mean, uh, I might need more time to cram considering this is like a this is a really hard team to peg. This is. I, I look, I um I, I'm I'm not very optimistic about this team. And a lot of it is less about like, oh, like they don't have enough depth at this position, or oh, like they're you know, maybe they need a more speed at receiver, or what like these sort of minutiae, it's more about the broad general challenges that confront a team that loses their coach. After signing day, has a new coaching staff come in that doesn't get a spring practice, um, that didn't have their own recruiting class to work with, uh, and and they've got a, a cor- like I, I don't think the quarterback position is one that I really trust. Um, I'd I have a hard time figuring out what the identity is. And on top of that, it's not as if look, we've talked about this before. Mel Tucker might be Nick Saban reincarnate but we there's nothing that indicates that to this point. Like there's nothing. There was a, what was he five and seven last year at Colorado?
0: Yeah. He took over a Colorado team that was five and seven the year before he got there. And they were five and seven in his only year as head coach there.
2: And this is only year that he's ever been a head coach. And so I, I just don't, I don't know how you look at this team and you're, and you're confident on the over. Um, like maybe there's an angle here, but i I don't see it. I, I see this as a team when you're looking for wins across the conference, I, I find them at Michigan State in, in a lot of instances. And so maybe they maybe they grit it out and grind it through and, and, and play, win some close games like we're used to seeing out of Michigan State. But I also think another element of play is like so often when a team is terrible and they're over and they're one in 11 and a new coach comes in, you got no choice but to buy in. Like you have no choice, but to like you've got to be better than what we just had. Let's try to do something new. And this is one of those instances in a coaching change where there's probably a lot of guys in that roster that were very, like still sort of believe in the Mark D'Antonio approach. And so now they've got to figure out an, a, a reason to buy into the Mel Tucker approach. I just think there's a lot of things going on here that are just a little bit more abstract that that give me pause. So I'm I'm going under.
1: I am also going under, and I am far more confident in it than even you are, Barton, because you mentioned the quarterback position. Like, not even considering the strange circumstances Mel Tucker had to take over the program in, in like, what, like a week or two before everything got shut down. So it's just all that is playing a huge factor in this, too. But if we just ignore that and we look at the roster, we've spent a lot of time on this show making fun of, like, Northwestern's quarterback situation last year. Michigan State's quarterback situation is a show, too. And I don't know, like Mel Tucker did not release a depth chart. But if you read, you know, like the beat reporters, most of them think that Rocky Lombardi is going to be the team's starting quarterback this year. That is not a good thing if you're Michigan State, because we've seen plenty of Rocky Lombardi over the last two years. He's got a 42.9% completion percentage. He's averaging 4.6 yards per attempt, and he's got five interceptions to three touchdowns. It has not been good. Now, it's not all been his fault either because Michigan State receivers have done a whole lot of dropping passes in the last few years, but the biggest concern, besides the quarterback position to me, is that offensive line sucked last year. They ranked 126th in line yards last season. That's like, you know, bottom of a group of five territory not a big 10 team territory big 10 offensive lines aren't supposed to be as bad as michigan state's offensive line was so mel tucker stepping into a situation where he has a lot of work to do and i don't think he's been able to get that work done in the last seven eight months since he's taken over i think in a way the kind of delayed start to the season for the big 10 probably benefits him because had they started on time in September, I think things would have been in a really bad situation. At least now he's had kind of a training camp to get acclimated and kind of figure out what he's got to work with. I just don't think there's a whole lot to work with. I don't see more than two wins on this schedule for Michigan state. They might be one in seven. I think what, and honestly I think one in seven probably happens more often than two and six. So I'm comfortably on the under here.
3: I was trying to find three winnable games. Um, And struggling to find out where they would come. I was trying to find two winnable games, and I think the two winnable are kind of toss ups. (laughs) Like, you know, yeah, they should beat Rutgers. We have no idea we're going to get from Rutgers. They should win that game. Maryland, we're going to do them a little bit. That's not a lock. Like, I, I just, I'm with you guys on the down outlook for. Michigan state this year and toss into that. They had a couple of players arrested for assault in the COVID there. Like what is happening right now? Like that to me just shows kind of a lack of discipline, a lack of buy-in, just a team that's kind of all over the place. The lack of a quarterback is a major problem. I don't know where these wins come from. If they surprise in the upside, I will be more than happy to say, you know what? I was completely off on this team, but I'm with Fornelli. Uh, that's the hot, that's the heated Fornelli version there. I like it, but his, uh, his emotion there towards uh, Michigan state, uh, giving me more confidence to take the under here as well. Michigan
0: state 13 and one in 2013, 11 and two in 2014, 12 and, and two in 2015, in 2015, three straight top 10 finishes for the Spartans. And I, that, that was in 2015 and here we are in 2020. And to your point, Danny, I'm looking at a schedule that includes Northwestern Rutgers and Maryland, and I'm taking the under two and a half. Like it's just, that's, that's where we are right now. And I like the, the buy-in point Barton because they were seven and six. They were a bowl team each of the last two years. It hasn't been a bottom out. They were a 10 win team in 2017. It's, it's just been like, a it like, gets like still going to get worse. We haven't reached to the bottom yet. And Mel Tucker can maybe turn this thing around but this uh, this sure seems like a season where, uh, where we might see things only continue to get worse for the Spartans. How many games are going to win this fall? The Maryland Terrapins had a bananas year last year. I just, I remember sitting in the, uh, like the lobby area of a hotel, getting ready to to go to uh, Daryl K. Royal Stadium and watching Maryland run it up on Syracuse. And I'm like, man, Maryland. This is a top 25 team. My guy, Josh Jackson, getting it done. The talent level, like, this is really going to work out. And it's like, you know, sunrises, sunsets. Maryland's got a whole bunch of injuries and a whole bunch of depth issues by the end of the season. And the bottom just pretty much out, fell out for the Terps. We are looking at an over-under win total of one and a half. They draw a road game against Northwestern from the West as well as a home game against Minnesota. I mean, maybe Talia Tagovailoa is our quarterback here. I, are we still waiting on a waiver?
3: No, no, no. The waiver's cleared. Uh, they, They're waiting th- on to see if he wins the job, right? The
2: depth chart has an or with Lance Legendre, but I, I think the expectation in uh, around that program is that Uh, totally. He'll be the starter.
0: Was Lance Legendre uh, a QB one alone? He was. Yeah. Got to go back.
2: He was one of the likable ones.
0: Yeah. Not many. (laughs) There haven't been many of them. Yeah. (laughs) It's
3: like Justin Fields and Lance Legendre. Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm (laughs) was solid too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it <was> about it. <laughs> about <laughs> it. So one and a half is, uh, is the total here for Maryland. Maryland does deal with some of those same issues where like you look at the roster and you see a couple players that you like, but then you break down a schedule and you've still got to go out there and you got to play Penn state. You got to play Ohio state. You got to play Michigan. You got to play Minnesota this year, hard to find wins. Um, but do you think that th- there are two of them for this Terps team? I'll go.
2: I, I think, so in my – as we get to the bottom of this uh, this Big Ten West, East pecking order, um, to recap, Idaho State 1, Penn State 2, Michigan 3, Indiana 4. Michigan State is the next up in the win total. I, I have Maryland – Maryland is fifth. Um, that that puts them for, in my pecking order at two and six. I've got them with the over. Um, I I think that – Like there are some positive things here on this roster. There are some. I think there's some good stuff like to 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 sort of cling to as as your your hopefulness for this 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 season. So Talia is. I expect the starter. That would be my expectation. Um, I don't think Talia is very clearly not Tua. Don't expect Tua. You're not going to get Tua. But he is an accurate passer. He is someone that's got a good feel for the position. I think he is someone that gives them competence at the quarterback position. I think they've got they have experience at running back, not quite the big playability as they've had, but they've got some guys that can do it and they've got some guys that can can sort of carry the load. The receiver position is actually really good. Rakim Jarrett is a five star guy they brought in and he ain't even starting. And and I know that he's a true freshman, but I mean he would start at a lot of places. And they've got guys where like they don't really need to throw him into the fire offensive line actually is pretty good i mean it's pretty experienced it's pretty they got some good players there so i think offense has a chance to be productive um and they've got a couple players on the defensive side of the ball that that are good too a la and, and nick cross and, and some of these guys are top top tier talents so i just think it's more about what you're comparing it to is why they're sort of scraping the bottom of the big 10 10 east but i again I think there's more reason to be optimistic about Maryland than there is Michigan. I think there's reason to think that Mike Loxley could sort of continue some progression this year. So I'm going to be positive here. I'm going to go Maryland over, even if that's just two wins. I think that they, they, they get it done.
0: Yeah, I'm going over. Absolutely. I'm, I'm like the, the Mike Loxley knows exactly what he's getting with Talia. Mind meld. They can get it done. Things have got to turn for the Turps in terms of injury luck at some point. And so I've got zero certified wins. Like if, if everything uh, goes against Maryland here, they could go 0-8. I've got five losses, Minnesota, Penn State, Ohio State, Indiana, Michigan. But I do think there are three toss-ups, including Michigan State and Rutgers, uh, and then that road trip to Northwestern, Michigan State and Rutgers at home. Maybe it's there. I think they can get two out of those three toss-ups. I'm also on the over.
1: I, I, this was a very difficult one for me. This is like the one team where it's like, I couldn't really figure out what to expect from them going into the season. I I think that when I look at it, you, you two are like pessimist or optimistic. So I guess I'll take a more pessimistic approach because I do have them going over, but it wasn't really a decision of confidence or, you know, any real belief in it as much as it was kind of just like a, you know, well, They'll probably get two wins maybe I think there's a decent chance they will because I do have some legitimate concerns because going back to the team talent rankings, you know this is a Maryland team that for most of the last decade since it's really joined the Big Ten it was always we would talk about how this is a really talented team they're actually based based on our talent rankings they're the fourth most talented team in the conference behind the three teams that they have to deal with if they were in you know a different division things might be different they're kind of falling in those rankings. Like this year, they're sixth behind Nebraska and Wisconsin. So the talent level seems to have dropped off. And I think that last year, defensively, my concern with them was they were pretty good against the run, but they had absolutely no pass rush to speak of, and I don't know if there's going to be one this year. I don't know where it comes from. So defensively, I don't have the highest of hopes for this team. Offensively, I think they have to be a little better at the QB position and maybe, you know, to Talia will be that guy. And I do agree with you, Barton. They have talented it at receivers, and I think that's a good thing for them. And that's a reason to be optimistic. It's just then you look at the schedule, and I think that getting Northwestern and Minnesota from the West, there, there are easier draws from the West than those two games. So that plays against them. And then you've got to tack on the games against, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and we've talked about Indiana, a team we all like. So I'm going two and six but I think one in seven is very realistic too. I'm just trying to be optimistic about the Terps.
3: I'm with you. I And kind of I was looking at Michigan State, Maryland, kind of pinning them together, and I went under with Michigan State, so I kind of went over with Maryland, like kind of saying, all right, how many teams can you have that are this bad at the bottom of this division? Um, So I'm going to take the over here. I think you'll get more stability at quarterback, I mean, clearly uh tally is not Tua is not going to be as confident there and not, not as top end is there, but I do think you'll get somebody who's going to make good decisions a little bit more consistent. I think you'll get better there. Um, my ultimate thing though, is like if you're going to have seven teams that were picking win totals today, I wouldn't play this one. Like if I was seriously thinking about making a play on these, Hell no. I wouldn't play, I wouldn't play Michigan state. I wouldn't play Maryland. There are a lot better value plays out there. So this one I'll take two, I'll take the over, but with very little confidence. Will Rutgers win one? That is the question that has been put to
0: us by the Edgewater Emporium. It is 0.5 on the over-under win total. And I, I talked about the uh, Illinois, you know, because of the, as like an expansion team. No, no, no. Rutgers is really, that they are the transfer portal all-stars. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like what, nearly a dozen power five play, or at least nearly a dozen significant contributors from the transfer portal uh, that are are here and are going to be suiting up for Rutgers. They signed 17 true, they've got 17 true freshmen and half of them were early enrollees. Like Greg Shiano is, I mean, he just, he, he showed up to the court and he's like, picked his team and now they're just going to go play on Saturday. And I think they'll win a game. I <laughs> like like there's some just some Greg Schiano at Rutgers with all these players. He's just sort of cobbled it together, put it together at the last minute. I I don't know whether it's going to be Michigan State or Maryland. I hate the fact that both of those games are on the road, at least in terms of um, you know the the winability. But I just I feel like Rutgers is going to win a game. I'm I'm on over 0.5. I think they get one.
1: Agreed. <laughs> I, I listen. I'm, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm pointing at you right now. I'm looking you dead in the eye and I'm guaranteeing Rutgers will win a game in 2020. I, I think, I, I think Greg Shiano is a huge coaching upgrade over what they've had there the last few years. I think Greg Shiano knows how to win at Rutgers. And I do think Greg Shiano has really overhauled the roster as best as he can in one off season, considering the circumstances. So I think this is already a better Rutgers team with better talent and better coaching. And I don't think it's going to be a good team in 2020. But I, we talked about Michigan State. I won't be shocked if Rutgers starts the season 1-0. I won't be shocked if Rutgers beats Michigan State this weekend in East Lansing. So because I like of that, that yeah, I, I go through the schedule. They're getting a win at some point, man. It might be that Maryland game in the very last game of the season on the road. But they're getting a win. Guarantee it. Take it to the bank. I have already... Placed my bet at the Edgewater Sportsbook and Entertainment Emporium, and I got a free buffet ticket while doing it, which was pretty sweet.
3: I'm with you, principal, principal over, over, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. I'm, I'm taking it. I think there's a win on there somewhere. Maybe I'm falling in love with some of the storylines out of the SEC. Arkansas was so bad; they've been the surprise. Maybe Greg Schiano, New Jersey's own Greg Schiano, coming back to his old stomping grounds. Like him or not, I didn't love working with him. I covered him a couple of times. I didn't like the distrust that he displayed for the media. He's kind of squirrely, you know, just hard to get information out of. I didn't love when I covered him. He's a unique personality, but I do think he knows how to win at a place like Rutgers, and he's proven that. Uh, and I think it's a good hire. Like I think he's. And by the way, you guys have all been on my radio show in the morning with McElroy on Sirius. We've got a caller from New Jersey that just trashes Chris Ash. It's like he derailed the program. And Fornelli alluded to it. Tom alluded to it too. It was as bad as it could get. Now maybe they get an ounce of coaching that's just a little bit better and it's probably significantly better. That matters. So I'm going to take the over. I think they get a win easy. God bless you guys.
2: You know, look <laughs> at you guys. Just just, just a bunch of young pups just brimming with optimism. What a happy day this is on this Wednesday morning. Do you guys not remember what this team did last year? Can I, can, can I just like, not to be like this pessimistic guy. Like I, Hey, I'm happy that the three of you are just all sunshine and roses today, but let me just read out these scores. 30 to nothing, 52 to nothing, 48 to seven, 35 to nothing, 42 to seven, 38 to 10, 56 to 21, 27 to nothing. And 27 to six. They weren't even sniffing competitive in the Big Ten last year. Like, weren't even in the ballpark. Like, it, it's like, it might, like, they were one of the worst teams in college football. Forget Power Five. They were just one of the worst teams in college football, FBS college football. They go to FCS. They weren't even making the playoffs. This was not a good team. And you guys think they get a couple transfers in and suddenly they're going to go start winning the big, like, Big Ten games. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not there. I'm not there with it. And by the way, I looked at the the uh, depth chart, and so they've released a depth chart. And and so props to Greg Schiano. You know, maybe he's finding a little more trust in the media because he's releasing depth charts. Maybe that's a bad thing. I don't know. But if, if you take a gander at their depth chart, it appears that he's you know playing the best players, but they're not the biggest players. Their defensive interior, for example, this is their this is the way it runs here. It is. 296, they got that. He's a big boy. Michael Dwumfor from Michigan, who so started like four games over his career at Michigan. Uh, then they got a 274-pounder, who's another transfer from Minnesota. And then they got 265-pounder and 265-pounder. Those are the four defensive interior guys starting for Rutgers right now, or, or the on the depth chart for they're Rutgers. Athletic, they're mobile. That, <laughs> that, that, they, that's an average of 281 pounds for their defensive tackles. Just as a comparison... Another team that runs a four-man even front, Penn State. Their defensive tackles average three hundred and ten pounds. This is we just, don't need them. We're to be not Penn picking State. them to win the conference. We're picking <laughs> them to saying, win a game. I'm just saying that's what they're going up against. I could go. I could. I'm happy to go. Try to look up another one. I just had to do the math real quick, and and Penn State <laughs> has to release their depth chart. Any way you cut the math, whether you're talking about the size of their offensive line, the size of their defensive line, the, the margin of loss last year, whatever numbers you guys want me to run, it all comes out on the under here. So I applaud you. You're all bright eyed and bushy tailed
1: but I am going under the total. I can't believe that we're sitting here in 2020 and Barton is body shaming the Rutgers defensive right? <laughs> line on the Cover <laughs> 3 podcast.
2: What does Chip say? What do we talk about all the time? We say Lose big, lose small. Win small, win big. Yeah. They only got to win a game, though. They lost <laughs> big. They lost as big as anyone. And, and look, you know, Arkansas. Like, what? Arkansas lost forty-five wrong, to nineteen Western, Western Kentucky wrong last example. year. Wrong example. Wrong 20, example. 20-20. No, they they were go.
3: zero for twenty against SEC <laughs> like, <we're wrong>.
2: like, <laughs> listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show some humility well, were here. Bigger. I'm gonna show some humility here, and I'm gonna own up to me making a bad call. Remember when I was at the Edgewater Sportsbook and Emporium, we were all sitting around the Edgewater buffet, and I saw the number go up for Kansas. It was .5, and I said, I'm going to run to the window. I'm going to take Kansas over. Well, I'm not feeling too good about that ticket I'm holding right now for that Kansas over. That's the comparison to make for this Rutgers team. It's just not time to go on the over for this team. Not yet.
1: I will say one concern I do have is, you know, you mentioned they released the depth chart. Now on the depth chart, it says at quarterback. Art Sikowski. Art, Art Sikowski <laughs> or right. Noah Bedral. So it's like, wait, 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 wait. withdrawal hasn't been impressive enough in camp to, <laughs> to wrestle out, that away Art from Sikowski, Sikowski for sure. That's a concern to me. <laughs> I, I was just about
0: to say that I won't tear my ticket up, but I will be very concerned and maybe hide it under my tray of crab legs. If Art Sikowski is the starting quarterback for game one against Michigan state, I don't know if we get it there, but I mean, dag I, I got to I got to win one. I, they got to win one.
1: And I do think going back to like the Arkansas comparison, I do think there is something to say for believing in your coach. Yeah. and I got a certain sense from that Rutgers team last year that they kind of just gave up and quit because they didn't believe in anything that was happening. Now maybe that's just me reading the body language wrong or the situation wrong, but I think having Greg Schiano come in and his approach to that team will make enough of a difference for them to get just
2: one win. One—that's uh, all we need. I, I agree with that. And and hey, if they if they do that, then then I'll tip my cap to y'all. But I what I think is that Greg Sciano will make a significant difference and have a tremendous impact and be a huge upgrade and be a good hire. And the way we'll know that is because they're not losing by 35 points a game anymore. They're losing by,
0: you know, they get a couple where they, they lose by 12. Good professional losses. <laughs> <laughs> That's Tom Fernelli. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. That's Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. That's Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. We will be back with our locks for the weekend on Thursday. So make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple, whether that's Spotify, whether that's Google, Stitcher, any of it. We're there. And we're also on YouTube so that you can watch us. YouTube.com slash cover three. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
1: Thank you.